Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. All right, in Galatians chapter 1, talking today about never walk alone, a biblical case for spiritual covering. You know, spiritual covering is something that we vaguely heard, heard something about, but we don't know very much about. Because it is something that we have to discover by a, a full and whole view of the Scripture as opposed to just going to a verse here and there and picking out a few things. Today, in our study of Galatians, I want you to look in verse 15. Remember, we've spent an extensive amount of time laying the background for the book of Galatians, going into the historical background, going into the personal background of Saul, who became Paul, his early training, his life as a Pharisee, his conversion. Now he's writing this letter to the Galatian believers whom he had had a vital part in their salvation who were having a problem. There were people who had come into the, to the churches over Galatia. Galatia is a region, not a city. And they had begun to teach the people that it was not enough to have faith to receive the grace of God that you had to do certain things linked to the old Judaic law in order to be saved. You, it wasn't enough for God by His mercy and grace to save you. You by your own efforts had to do stuff that complemented or went along with or participated in or was an investment in your own salvation. You had to do some stuff to be saved besides receive the mercy and grace of God. And Paul writes the letter to the churches in Galatia to refute that. But today we're going to look at a personal glimpse of Paul's own life and see a principle in Scripture that as we have talked about these who have chosen to walk under the spiritual covering of this ministry. They have their own legal and financial boards. But under the spiritual covering of this ministry, we find today as we look in verse 15 some powerful principles that relate not just to ministers and ministries, but to all of us as believers. I am convinced that every single child of God has a Jesus-appointed covering. There is a jesus called and appointed shepherd or shepherds who are assistants to the chief shepherd. There's not but one chief shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the only chief shepherd. I am absolutely convinced that the Lord loves his sheep so much that he has assigned every single one of us as sheep in his pasture to a shepherd, somebody who is spiritually assigned by the Lord to look out for the well-being of your spiritual inner man. 
I believe that. I don't believe that the Lord ordained for his children, his sheep, to wander around isolated without what we call a covering. A shepherd. Let's take a look here at what covering is. I believe that the Holy Spirit has given me words that I can best write down what a covering is as you look at the totality of it from what I understand to be scripture in my perspective is not infallible. My perspective is full of holes. My perspective has issues and weaknesses. I don't know it all. In fact, the older I get in the Lord, the more I realize I don't have a clue. I'm just learning. Amen. I make serious mistakes. So I'm telling you, don't look at me as anybody whom you should follow. You should only follow the Lord Jesus. But I will tell you that over the course, I was called and accepted a call at 14. I am 64 today. So you figure it out. I have been walking under the Lord's assignment for a little while. A covering is the minister of the Spirit of the Lord that is granted to a seasoned, faithful entity. That might be a person, it might be a group, it might be a large group. An entity to strengthen, to affirm, to equip, to intercede for, to counsel and partner with a believer, a minister or a ministry for the benefit of the kingdom of God. I want you to look at that again. It is a ministry of the Spirit of the Lord, the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Savior and head of the church, granted to a seasoned, not perfect, faithful, not perfect, entity to strengthen, affirm, equip, intercede for, counsel, and partner with a believer, an individual believer, a minister, or a ministry for the benefit of the kingdom of God. So here's my question for you. Are you connecting with your covering today? Do you know and are you engaged with somebody, somewhere, that you know is more seasoned? Than you has a longer track record of faithfulness than you has your best interest at heart will pray for intercede for love you unconditionally do you know that there's somebody who will bless you believe in you and partner with you for the benefit of your own well-being as a believer and the benefit of the ministry God has assigned you If not, if you don't already know that, ask the Lord, not me, ask the Lord to show you who and where that is because God has ordained it for your success as his child. Let's look at Paul's journey in verse 15, 
chapter 1, Paul says, When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with people, with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem where those who were apostles were before me, but I went down to Arabia and returned to Damascus. What Paul's saying is, after my conversion, I didn't go try to get myself lined up with those who were apostles. Remember what an apostle was? An apost- to be an apostle, you had to have visibly eyewitnessed the Lord. You had to have been with the Lord. What Paul's saying is, I didn't go up there and try to associate with that group. He said, I went out to Arabia into the desert area and in Damascus where I was headed anyway before I was saved and I spent three years out seeking the Lord, just him and me and in this little confined area. You know what Paul's saying? I did not seek covering from anybody for three years, the first three years of my ministry. But now, notice, then, verse 18, are you, are you there? Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But none of the other apostles except James, remember James, the Lord's brother, was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Remember that? Remember Pentecost happened in Jerusalem. Remember that? When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. In the room with 120. And mightily the Holy Spirit came to indwell believers. Mightily he filled them. 3,000 were saved in one day in the streets of Jerusalem. It was mighty and awesome. And the pastor of that church was James, the Lord's brother. Paul says, after three years, I went up to see the apostles, but I didn't see anybody but Peter and James. If you read an honest account in Acts 9, you will find out that he wanted to see the other brothers. He wanted to see the other apostles. He wanted to associate with the church at Jerusalem, but they wouldn't have anything to do with him. They were afraid of him because of his track record. This man persecuted the church, stood by and and allowed Stephen to be stoned to death. We have heard all about him. We don't want to associate with him because remember that things were still tenuous in the city of Jerusalem as it was. But somehow the other apostles, by the grace of God, were still enabled to continue to minister without being incarcerated, at least for then, or their life threatened. Now all of that was going to change as time went by. But Paul says, I went up there after three years, three years after my conversion, and I tried to meet with the church, and I did. I, get, I got to see Peter, and I got to meet with the pastor of the church. Do you know that word began to circulate after that just by meeting those two? Word began to associate, we need to give this man a chance. You need to listen to him. And people began to accept him more. And people began to say, well, maybe he has had a genuine conversion. Maybe he is now not the persecutor of the church. And uh, there were some immediate benefits of that covering, but notice that why would Paul do that when he specifically says for three years 
I didn't go seek anybody. Understand that even the man who would be entrusted to write the vast part of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, saw that he needed to associate himself, to, to, to be connected with those who were farther along in their relationship. The apostles had all seen the Lord. They had heard the Lord. They had been around seeing his miracles, listening to his sermons and teachings. And Paul was beginning to understand, look, I don't know it all. I need those around me who have a, a greater track record of serving, who have more exposure to the Lord, more experience than me in this thing of being a spiritual leader. Well, not long after that, if you read the book of Acts, you'll also find that in chapter 13, in fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold your place there in Galatians 1 and turn with me to Acts 13. Now, I've already told you I'm not going to near get through this today, but I'm not going to be in a big hurry. We're not meeting next week. Rest up. All right, chapter 13. He went down to Antioch after he'd visited with the apostles. And um, in Antioch, a, a vital city in the Roman Empire, there were certain in the church, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. In verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord. Do you come in here and look around at everybody else and see what they're doing in worship? Do you think that you're supposed to come to worship and let the Lord minister to you? You get in here and some of you are going to feel real uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit will start messing with you. Won't he? Dear Jesus, he'll mess with you. That's a good thing. Worship is really ministering to the Lord. You know why? It's the only thing that you can give him that he doesn't already have. So when you come in here and you turn your heart not to others but to the Lord in worship and praise, you're ministering to the Lord. So as they ministered to the Lord, the Bible says there, and they fasted, the Holy Spirit said, verse 2, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit initiates a calling. Does everybody see that? Only three. Do you see that in the Word? The Holy Spirit says, I have called them to do this. Now, I want you to, I, I, look, he's saying to these others, I want you to recognize that I have called them. Then, verse 3, having fasted and prayed, uh, they laid hands on them and sent them out. You know why we did the laying on of hands here a few minutes ago and why we do it a lot? Because it's what the Word says. It is saying symbolically. It is an outward act of an inner reality. I am, I am saying under the direction of the Lord, I believe that that which has been granted here and that which is available through the Spirit of God is conferred on you. Now, I, you say, I don't understand that. Look, that is the Lord's deal. The laying on of hands is the Lord's deal. The anointing of oil is the Lord's deal. You can either say, well, I don't understand it and I'm not going to do it. If you wait till you understand before you obey, you'll never get anywhere with the Lord. That means your mind's in control, not the Spirit of God who is redeemed and coming to live on the inside of you. Now look, 
They laid hands on them. They sent them away. You know what they did? They covered them. They commissioned them. They said, you go. We believe in you. You're going out with the blessing of this group of seasoned, faithful men chosen by the Lord. You are going and we believe in you. Now you go for it. We're behind you. We're with you. I want you to notice something. Now remember, Paul told us in Galatians 1 that for the first three years he didn't seek out anybody. Look in verse 4. Now if you try to read all this in between, you're going to lose what I'm trying to tell you today. And believe me, I've labored over this and prayed over this. Don't let, don't, don't leave. You go home and read it. Verse 4. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Solution and went and set sail. Look at verse 17. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people. That's not what I was looking for. Here we go. Verse 49. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Were there results from being sent out? Verse 49. The word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Sound like success to you? Look at verse 52. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 14 of Acts. It, they came to Iconium. Look at verse 3. They stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace. And the Lord was granting signs and wonders, mighty miracles, to be done by their hands. Does it sound like the ministry of Paul was having some success? Look at chapter 14, verse 21. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, after making many disciples. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord. Verse 26, they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended. They had been commended. They had been commissioned. They had been sent out by the grace of God. I mean, are you beginning to get the picture? That not just in Jerusalem, with the apostles, but now with a, in the context of other believers that happened in Antioch with other faithful, mature, seasoned, the Holy Spirit spoke. There was conferred on them. They were, they, they, their, their assignment was followed by great success. They weren't operating out there as a lone ranger anymore. Now let's back to our, our Galatians passage. I want to show you something here that excites me to no end. Chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, Then after 14 years, what does that mean, Steve? Well, it's either 14 years after his conversion or 14 years after the three years of his first visit to Jerusalem. So it's either 14 or 17 years after his conversion. 17 years. It takes some of us a long time to learn stuff. You know, I was in my 40s when I learned the principle of covering. I was in my 40s. I accepted my calling at 14. I was in my 40s before I understood the principle of covering. But when I accepted it and I submitted to it, maybe next Sunday or you know, two Sundays from now, I will tell you the process and what it looked like. 
I can tell you something amazing happened when I began to understand and submit to covering my ministry which floundered, my ministry which I could never get over 13 people at a meeting, that was a big crowd, my ministry that was always deplete and broke. When I began to understand the ministry of covering and I submitted to it and humbled myself, an anointing came on me and in me. My ministry took off. There are people in this room who've been around me for over 20 years. They could, they'll tell you. I'm telling you, God didn't mean for any of you to be out there wandering around isolated. There is power. There is resource. There is connection. There is affirmation. There is endorsement. There is great results in covering. I want you to notice something here in chapter 2, verse 1. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. <laughs> Didn't go so well the first time. But after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me. Then he's talking about how they were not forced by the apostles to, to consider the Gentiles as any different than the Jews. I want you to notice verse 9. When James, that is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, Cephas, that is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Fourteen years after the first trip that didn't go so well, this time, this time, the apostles, those who'd walked with the Lord, this time, those who had paid a price for their faith. This time, this group of believers embraced them and, he says, offered the right hand of fellowship. What does that mean? The right hand of fellowship, if you trace it, it means saying what we just had here earlier through the laying on of hands. We believe in you. We trust you. We partner with you. We connect with you. We endorse you. Do you understand that in, uh, affirmation is wonderful, but endorsement is unbelievable? It's another level. When you endorse somebody, you are saying, I believe in them. If you have heard from them, you have heard from me. I've appointed elders in my ministry. I've associated with other ministers. I let one of them preach to you last week. We've ordained Sharon and Joe. You hear from them, you've heard from me. Look. This was a radical change in Paul's ministry. And I don't have the time to go and show you all the things verse by verse, but let me tell you what happened. I've got a star about in your outline. Following this, when he was endorsed and covered by the mother church, Paul's ministry impacted the whole Roman Empire through churches. They established churches. They appointed elders. The gospel reached thousands and thousands they corrected legalism they opened the eyes and hearts of the church to include all believers and he 
Paul became the human vehicle through which much of the New Testament was given. It's interesting to me that all of this happened after these 14 to 17 years when he was embraced by his covering. Are you results oriented? Connecting with your covering will multiply your results. In the area of ministry, God has assigned you. God has assigned some of you to minister in the area of your business. That's just as legitimate a, business, a, a ministry as what I do. It's where you're assigned. Some of you are assigned. Your assignment is just as valuable as mine. We just carry different responsibilities. But it's just as valuable. You need covering as much as I do. Whose idea is covering? To understand that, we've got to figure out how does God see his people? Us as individuals and his corporate bodies. First of all, he sees us as his children. I love the first few verses of the Gospel of John. To many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. Romans tells us that we are, Romans 8, we are his children, and if we're children, we are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means you're on the same account Jesus is on. You got a joint account? You're a joint heir. Amen. God sees us as his children. We are members, and by the way, every one of God's children has a faithful and loving father. God is our father. All of us are equal in value. In value. Not equal in responsibility, but equal in value. We all have a father. Can I tell you something else? There's not but one family of God. Do you, not, do you know that? God doesn't have but one family on the earth. It's those who've been born again through the blood of Jesus Christ and received by grace through faith. There's not but one family, but there are millions of family gatherings. You go to the family gathering where you can best connect with the father of the family. You go to the family gathering where there is an inner witness from the spirit of the Lord of the church. This is where I want, this is the family gathering I want you to be. But listen, there's not but one family of God. It is not for us to be competitive or possessive. We've got to be kingdom minded. It, there's only one family. He sees us as a body. Jesus is the head of that body, and the head is the covering and is the final authority. But also the Bible says that God sees his people as a church in the New Testament. Matthew 16, 18, it's not on your outline. It should have been, I made a mistake there. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, 
I say to you, Peter, because you understand that I am the son of the living God, upon this revelation, this rock, I will build my church. Do you know what the word church is? It's the Greek word ekklesia. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. A living being. It's the family of the Lord Jesus. Upon, I will build my church. Ecclesia. What does that mean? All right, listen to me now. I'm fixing to get in your business just a little bit. Ecclesia means the assembling of his family, the assembling of believers. A church is the assembling of believers. Do you know, there is a very common thought nowadays that has infiltrated the church, and that is, well, I don't have to be a part of a church to be a Christian. I don't have to be a part of a, an assembled group of believers to be a Christian. And, uh, you know, that is true. You can be a member of a family and never go to a family gathering. Can you still have the love of God in your life? Yes, indeed. Can you still have the grace of God administered to you? You bet. Do you still have the Holy Spirit indwelling you as a believer? Absolutely. But I want to show you something here. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Now, I want you to understand that this is not meant as anything that relates to condemnation. You never get anywhere by condemnation. All I'm trying to get us to, because let me tell you something else. Do you know that every one of us, Dean and I included, we went through long seasons of not being able to find a faith family where we could really gather and feel connected. You ever been there? It's frustrating. It's frustrating. So I would never beat anybody up who is what I call in process. If you're here today, or listening to my voice on these tapes that go out all over the country now, let me tell you something. Don't beat yourself up because you hadn't been able to find and connect with a place where you feel like you're a, a connected part of the family of God, the ecclesia, the assembled body of Christ. Don't beat yourself up about that. You're just in process. You just are where you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, now let's take a look here. In Hebrews chapter 10, and let's look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now listen to verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encouraging, exhorting one another more and more as you see the day that is the day of his appearing approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. There are those who say, I can worship better out in God's nature. 
I can worship better not having to see people that are issues and give me problems. And you know, all of that may be true, but Jesus is saying this to his church through his holy word. It is not my highest and best for you to forsake. It doesn't mean miss a service now and then. It, he's saying it is not my highest and best for you to forsake, to lay it on the shelf, to do away with assembling yourselves with other believers. It is a matter of obedience. So if I am a member of the family of Jesus, if I'm part of his body, and he says the church is the gathering, the assembling together of believers, then who am I to say I can do it better my way? He'll still love me. He'll still give me grace. But here's what I'm trying to tell you, those of you who are listening to me. Listen very carefully. Make up your mind that if you don't have a place where you know you're connected as a member of the faith family, as a, as a partner in the faith family, you can put anything you want to by those words or associated with a faith family, that is an ecclesia, a gathering, a church that Jesus calls. The church is the assembling. Don't beat yourself up, but start praying that the Lord would give you the will to do so and the discipline to do so. It's going to require an investment. It is going to always cost you something to get up and go assemble with the believers on Sunday instead of doing what you want to do, especially if you've been doing that a long time. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you an investment to assemble yourself with other believers. It's going to cost you something. Can I tell you something? He who paid it all for you, he who paid it all for you is worthy of that investment. Can you say amen to that? So just make up your mind that you're going to start the process of finding that ecclesia, that assembling together of believers of where you are supposed to go, where you're supposed to receive covering, prayer, worship, encouragement. And the only thing I can see in the Scripture, in the New Testament, that constitutes that is a place where there is the ministry of the Word of God from seasoned and mature people that the Lord has assigned and called out, where there is oversight, worship, which is ministering to the Lord through our songs of praise, and prayer. And what flows out of those three things, worship, the Word, and prayer, is a fellowship with other believers the reason we call this simple church because that's all we do we don't have any programs look I've been on five church staffs a Christian school I've been there and done all that and you know what every bit of it is there's all there's good in every bit of it. every bit of it. there are wonderful places of fellowship here that are absolutely Wonderful, and I believe in every one of the programs that are established under the guidance of spiritual authority and prayer and the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
I believe, look, I got people in my ministry, there are people who are in ministry right now who go to other churches and fellowship in other places, and I understand that, I applaud it, and I endorse it. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Only thing I'm telling you is find the ecclesia, the assembling, where you are supposed to connect. Because there it is part of obeying the Lord. And don't rush it. You don't have to be in a hurry. You don't have to do it by the next week. Look, it's there where you're going to find this covering because, you see, you are a sheep under the shepherding of the chief great shepherd. I want you all to give me five more minutes. I'm longer than I usually am, but I'm not going to apologize. He is the chief shepherd of the church. Steve, how do you get this concept of covering? Well, I'm, I'm building a case here. I'll show you something. Hmm. Ha, ah, now. See, now I've got a perspective that I didn't have down here. See, there are certain things that I can see up here that I can't see down there. Now, scripturally, the word for that in the Bible has to do with poimenos, shepherd. It is also used in the Greek word in the New Testament over and over again, episkopos, overseer, elder. It means that I have a responsibility to be on the lookout for the sheep. I am no more valuable than the sheep. I just have a different responsibility in overseeing the sheep. What I'm trying to tell you is there's not but one chief shepherd and he laid down his life for you. But he has assigned certain one of us, certain ones of us with a holy assignment, not that's more valuable, but is of a different responsibility that we are to look out for the well-being of his sheep, not ours, of his sheep. And so those of us who are shepherds, pastors in English, we are to appoint others, episcopos, overseers, to help and assist us in doing what the chief shepherd of the sheep has assigned us to do. So can I ask you something? Do you understand that it's hard to cover somebody that you can't find? If this thing called covering, if this endorsement, if this protection, if this prayer ministry, if this, and, and, and understand that when you come into a, 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 a spiritual relationship with shepherding, there is also raised up on your behalf a network of others 
who will join you. You're not going to get through this life without hitting some ditches. There is a network of people who are interceding for you on your behalf at the throne of God. I have to have that. I cannot succeed without the grace of God and the prayers of the saints. Can't do it. Paul said he couldn't do it. Well, I know if he couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. So can I ask you something? Are you connecting where you know there is the ecclesia, the assembly? I don't think you fill out cards or walk down aisles. or I, There's nothing wrong with all that. that, that that's wonderful. If you want to do it, fine. I don't see that in the New Testament where there's a, that is something you have to do. But all of us need to make certain that we assemble together regularly with others where the Spirit of God has assigned us. Not just for worship and prayer and the ministry of the Word. Listen to me. But for oversight. You know, I have somebody over me in the Lord who's farther along than I am, who has a whole lot more experience, who prays for me all the time. Called me last week when I was fixing to have surgery just to pray with me. Do you know that any of us who have any level of responsibility in the kingdom of God need to be servants, we need to be undercovering and not try to lord it over people. Next time I'm going to minister on what does it mean to submit to spiritual leadership, what does it mean and what does it not mean? You go on TV nowadays and hear some people teach, you will hear that if you disagree at all with whoever's in a place of spiritual leadership, that you are out of line with the word and the will of God and the judgment of God's going to come on you. And it is true that there was an isolated passage somewhere in the Old Testament where David said about the king of Israel, not the shepherding and oversight of a church, but about the king of Israel, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. You've got to understand things in context. And you have to understand that all of us, I'm going to show you next week where one of the leaders of the church got reprimanded, got corrected by somebody who was under his covering. Who was under his covering. And I'm going to show you from Scripture what a difference it made in the man who got the reprimand's life. It's amazing. All of us are going to be more successful when we get where the Lord has assigned us to worship and to serve. You all have ministries out there in the community. 
We don't have 50 here for you to choose one and get a call next week. You are it. And my job, working with the authority of the Lord of the church and by the Spirit of the Lord, to equip and encourage and intercede for you so you will be successful in doing what he's assigned you to do is just as holy as what I do. It's just as vital. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.